0: <laughs> ah. Same side, different hand. <laughs> oh my what? God. Yeah, I don't know what I just
1: said. I'll think about it. Sometimes that got he he recorded it. Please, please let this be the intro.
0: <laughs>
1: same same is, side, different hand. Please. Same,
0: this is the same like this is the same like uh tactics. You know, like I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll think about it later. So oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Come on, nice. man. <laughs> No, I mean, that guy has to do some serious introspection. What is he doing? I mean, saying he's like giving a victory parade after the game was over, and which has never happened in the history of the game before that you won a penalty after the game is finished. Uh, I given that, uh, who was that Leicester player? Moppe, yeah, he gave away that, that penalty nice. like a mm-hmm. he, he did a typical just pal, and this is what I don't like <laughs> about defenders, and they just. Uh, you know crowd themselves in the box they think they're full of shit and then they go ahead and then they fuck their entire team's case up and then they have to look at Oops. a big screen and their face and oh they're crying oh I fucked it up what am I gonna do maybe the next game but you never know you know this is a big opportunity and what you're doing is you're failing your arms like you're the Irish jig guy and then you know you concede a penalty and they win a win the game they honestly shouldn't have won but, oh, that, but handball, ball rule,
2: ball. Ball. that that handball rule is very questionable though man like so
0: there's so much of like grey area over there. It's like, oh, like they, and they have and they have told referees the referee blew
3: blue. the full-time whistle. But it yeah, is there for everyone. Even last night, James Milner, he touched the ball, but uh, due to VAR not being yeah, there, uh-huh. I mean, he got he didn't yeah, get penalized yeah, for that. Yeah, he so, didn't you know.
1: get
0: penalized. Right. I think I think VAR is still in the experimental stage. I think. I still think that they don't know what the fuck is going on, uh, when to use war, oh my god, Ole is screaming at me, maybe I should, you know, Ferguson is looking at me from the director's box, so maybe he's gonna fuck my case up. Okay, maybe, maybe let me give it a, another referral before, you know, my future is in jeopardy. I don't understand what the referee is uh, doing when, uh, you know, these decisions have to be made. Because it yep. clearly seems like there's some, you know, that day I saw uh, when Leicester was getting uh, a bit, uh, you know, aggressive with... City. Yeah. They were getting a little aggressive with them. The referee goes to the players and, you know, he he very casually smiles at them, you know, talks them down, calms them down. Like, yeah. he's the fucking coach. And <laughs> the next thing, you know, he goes into the other team and he's fucking giving them yellow cards and pissing them off. You, what what the fuck is he doing? Like, he's supposed to control the game, not go to one yeah. side and say, you know what, I like you guys. Chill the yeah. fuck out and I won't card you. And then he goes to the other fucking team and he tells them, you know what, if you take one toe out of line, you're, you're warming the bench tonight. I mean... It's a bit questionable. Did you did you see that video of uh, when Arsenal and Liverpool played the, in the Premier League,
2: and uh, that referee? Uh, I mean, like like I said, had the ball and that he like he shot it or he mispassed it or something, and the referee like jumps I and mean, they panned straight into the referee's face, and he's so upset. And then yeah. there was a tweet. There was a tweet going around.
3: Which, maybe which this ref, the first tweet, or the second one. The
2: first one. The first I one. I saw that. Yeah, and then there was a tweet going around saying that you know. Maybe this referee, triple captain, Lacazette. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it is very... You know, I've seen a lot of videos like that, you know, where the referee is just cozying up to some of the players and they say, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You've got to be a, a tough referee, a stern referee, and you've got to call it as it is. Not not uh, have some... I mean, it is... You're a human being. I understand that. You're a sports fan. That's why you're a football referee, even though you're at the age of 45 or whatever. But, uh, you know, they, there has to be a balance. they got to figure out when am I... Especially when it comes to these decisions that they make on the pitch. It can decide the fate of the team. And with so much money involved these days and so much effort being put in. You know, you're basically, you know, eventually a coach is going to come up, clap you in the face and then you're going to all, okay, oh, I can red card you too, motherfucker. You What do you have against me? So, that's not, that's not what we're looking for. That's not what we're looking for. They really yeah, have Mr. to... raise
1: to... the Colina. PLUG, Colina. The boy yeah, guy. Right. Right. What a ref, man. That guy was mental.
0: Yeah, some referees are really good. They call the game in the, the ball, middle. Some right. referees... Just no. wanna see an Italy versus South Korea in two thousand two. You know, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Oh fuck you, Italy! I don't like you people. No, I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, I think that's not the way to go. That's a huge controversy. We look like
2: at. I think. the best referee right now in the EPL has to be Mike Dean. Like he's up there. Like, I love Mike Dean. With, with his. He's with awesome. His, yeah. His, his <laughs> his, his <laughs> his, and like everything, like put yeah, yeah, he's and, good. All he fuck up is he's a sports <laughs> fan. <laughs> oh my
0: God! Can you just let that go? <laughs> No, I think I think it's okay for him to be a Spurs fan because that way you're at least used to dejection and sadness. Uh, you know, then you then you can at least explain to yourself that you know, I have to stick to my job and not be a fan of Spurs because they're going to fucking ruin my career. So, you know, I, that's what I'm talking about. You have to come up with a balance. Oh, I love this team, but it fucking sucks. Why should I fucking do that?
3: So, yeah. So guys, I think we're well acquainted with the expert panel that we have today and no, um i'm not no tell me not. again okay <laughs> continue. just continue so we are entering the fourth week of the premier league and um starting with one of the big matches that is about to take place that is leeds versus city happening at ellen road um so i'd like to start with kanesh itself uh kanesh what do you think about leeds performance against sheffield i mean it was they were structurally well balanced and defensively as well they look much more organized than the previous two games and they won it 1-0. So, what is your take on that?
0: Well, thanks for telling me everything about the game because I didn't really watch it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but what I'm going to say is that uh, Leeds seem to be one of the more exciting teams that have come from Division 1, Championship yeah. football, into the Premier League. They have a good manager. They have a great stadium. They have a uh, they have a history with them. And we all yeah. know that clubs that have a little bit of history with them, like Aston Villa, Leicester, even, even Sheffield fucking Wednesday, have <laughs> some kind of a backup uh, you know, like they can look down, they can restructure themselves, revamp themselves, and then and then push yep. uh, for some kind of a decent position in the Premier League, maybe mid-table or something. But right now, I feel that Leeds are doing a fucking fantastic job. Uh, yep. What they're trying to do is they're being aggressive. They're not giving up on games. They're not being uh, they're not taking the foot off the accelerator. And uh, looking at the points, looking at their position in the league, I think they're quite comfortable. They've had a good start. And I think they yeah. might even finish uh, somewhere. They, they're definitely not the team that's going to get relegated. We're going to find that out later in the season because there's a Premier League that happens before Christmas. There's a Premier League that happens after Christmas. It's a completely uh, you know, different situation after Christmas. You, uh, you reassess. You see where you are. You get some players in, get some players out. Injuries uh, take their toll. So, let's see. Let's see where they end up. The, right now, it's looking very positive for them.
3: Done. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was asking you, uh, Pielsa and Pep have, you know, uh, they've met thrice in the La Liga in 2011, 2012, where Pep was clearly the uh, he won all uh, two the, two of the three matches that they've played against each other. So what do you think about them being, uh, you know, uh, aggressive of the ball? They love attacking football. They love pressing. So what do you think? How will the match uh, venture out? Will it be highly explosive, or will one of the sides, you know, play smart and uh, wait for a counter or something? What do you think? Oh no,
0: I think uh, see there are two different ways you can approach a, a game like this. Uh, Bielsa okay. knows that. I, I think that the situation that was in the La Liga is completely really different from the situation in the Prem. Uh, the reason for that is because it's a much different dimension. There are a lot of different things that you got to think about. It's a different game, more physical, more competitive. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good sides of, uh, good players on both sides but uh, i think obviously uh, leeds uh, are the team that have nothing to lose over here so they can go all out nobody expects them to win and in a situation like that you want to put some pressure on the opposition um you want to uh, you know uh, upset their rhythm the same old thing and uh, basically you're just going to train harder to be able to to be able to do that because what you're talking about is essentially a billion dollar team that you're facing and these are the cream of the crop they're the best players in the world and they can take uh, any defense anywhere in the world down. So how are you going to figure out how to do that? So the sociopath that Bielsa is, what I think what he's going to do, um, in my opinion, is that, uh, you know, this is a big game for him. He's going to tell his players, yeah, we don't have anything to lose, but we're going to win. So in mm-hmm. order to be able to do that, I think they should, this is what they should do. Uh, and I'll tell you what they're going to do. They should defend, uh, defend deep, wait for the counter, and yep. be physical with Manchester City. All right? No, it's okay if you're going to get a few cards. You have a lot of ease and relaxations on substitutions right now. So yep. you can, you know, you can you can play that. You're going to have to play time in the game. You're going to have yep. to see when you're going to have to make those substitutions. You're going to have to see uh, how early on your players are getting aggressive. Not too much, not too little, but just enough to make sure that you're breaking their rhythm. That's what should be done because that's how good they're going to get Manchester City off the ball. They're going to be very good with the ball, Manchester City is. But uh, these guys, that's what they should do. Now, what's going to happen is they're going to attempt to do that, but they're going to fail miserably. And the reason for that is because Manchester City just have that much more experience in their side. They have yeah. world class quality. And Leeds United just do not have I mean, they have a lot of, they have a lot of uh, you know, that, that, that wind behind them, that early on mm-hmm. wind, you know, when the Premier League, we're a big club, we're going to prove some, uh, some big teams wrong. They've already yeah. done that. I feel so. They're not going to make any huge upsets because even the big teams are now aware. You know, we can't take these these so-called small teams that have just been promoted or usually finish mid-table. We can't take them lightly. Otherwise, we're going to we're going to not be able to be successful at the top. And Manchester City would have learned that last season. Now, now given Manchester City's um, frailties at times, which were exposed by Leicester, yeah. uh, very very exponentially for all to see. What I feel. This is not a game where they're going to take uh, anything lightly. This is like no. a comeback game. So, the, uh, the thing that's going to happen in the City camp, Manchester City camp, is that, you know what? We've already suffered a bad defeat. We have to come back from it. And no. they're going to really, you know, tighten their defence. They're going to make sure they're not losing the ball. They're going to be physical as well as, uh, as much as Leeds is going to be. And I think city, Manchester City is going to win that easily. High scoring. Mean, yeah. It's around 3-2, three, 3-1, three, something like that.
3: Yeah. Alright. So I'd like to jump on to Kush. Kush, since Kanishk has you know, yeah. spoken about uh, the tactics that uh, Leeds should employ, you know, something similar to what uh, Brendan did. Uh, he played a 5 for one you know, they, they were observant and they were playing reactive football initially. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh, will City have defensive issues if they are playing such a uh, tactical game or will it be um, okay? Is it the other way around?
4: i think they can have uh, defensive issues look at leeds united with, with their games against liverpool obviously and fulham they've they've actually scored lots of goals they know how to keep possession and yeah. one of the interesting things is that despite uh, the possession that manchester city kept against leeds uh, sorry against uh, lister last last game they couldn't make much of it and leeds yeah. on the other hand when they have position, they're making a difference on the pitch and with yep. people like Patrick Bamford in the in, in front, and you've got Phillips and Harrison and Klitsch in the in the midfield, I think if I've got it, if i got it right, and those guys they move the ball really well. Manchester City, despite keeping position, couldn't do it against uh, Leicester City, so that's a big problem for them because this Leeds United is obviously a very explosive side, and they love to keep position. They love to make the right passes. They're very accurate with the passes too. They don't. They they're not the kind that will get frustrated too easily. They've had good results for for a team that's just qualified and come into the Premiership. I think they've had really good results in the first three weeks, especially even though they lost to Liverpool. They don't see it that way, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure they see it as a very, very good comeback uh, in in the Premier League. This is a side that has a history behind them. It's got fans behind them. They've got historically one of the most successful clubs, if not uh, in comparison to the other ones that have qualified with Leeds. I think Leeds have a lot of backing. They've got a good manager. They've got good players. They've got good passing, good structure, good possession. They love to play possession football, and that's a problem for Manchester City. And they've also been dealt a blow with, with I think, Aguero now ruled out for another two months. So up front, they're having problems. I don't know if Raheem Sterling for another game would be a good idea for Manchester City. Even yeah. though he scored in the Carabao Cup, I, I don't see that as a viable option against a team like Leeds United. So I think they can do really well. But as Kanish said, Manchester City have that experience. They're a champion side. So I still see Manchester City winning this one, but I think they'll just edge past Leeds United, maybe 2-1 or 1-0. Yeah.
3: So coming on to Advait, I'd like you to, you know, uh, touch base on the tactical formations that can be employed, especially with Leeds. You know, uh, playing 4-1-4-1 4-1 in the first two matches, but they played 4-2-3, 3 uh, one in uh, the second match, and you know, there was a shadow striker as well. They were transitioning into different formations. So, uh, what do you think, will, uh, what formation will Bielsa employ and uh, what formation will Pep employ because they don't have a striker at the moment. So, are they looking into again playing a 4-2-3-1 uh, or would it be again a four-three-three formation?
1: Uh, I think City will go ahead with the 4 formation. I think uh, that served them well mm. uh, because that also gives uh, De Bruyne ample uh, space to be more creative Yeah. Uh, in the park and plus they're very, they are very they are they're really quick on the counter as well they can they can attack really uh, uh you know they can attack really quickly on the counter uh, also their wing packs get more more involved rather than in another yep. formation that's where i think walker and probably mendy do also feature a lot more in the game uh, yep. So I think Cassidy will will still go ahead with the 4-3-3. Pep is not someone, you know, who likes to tinker with his formations. He's got one set formation and he goes ahead with that. Yep. He's not really someone who will keep experimenting and he'll keep changing it based on the outcomes. Of- <laughs> uh, I think Leeds will, will go ahead with the, with the 4-2-3-1. I think that uh, they, they they were really good against uh, Sheffield. I think that was, yeah, Sheffield that was with the 4-2-3-1 formation. Yeah. I think the 4-1-4-1 um, it does give uh, you know uh, Calvin Phillips a lot of space and a lot of uh, you know areas for him to be more creative. But again, he's uh, he's basically a, a last man when they when they're getting uh, hit on the counter. So he's yeah. basically like a one man army. So it 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 probably will stabilize the team more when you're playing with two def- two holding midfielders, two defensive midfielders. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, the four 2 three one should serve them well. We've got Helder Costa on the right. You've got Harrison who was brilliant against Sheffield on the left.
3: That, uh, that do you think Harrison will be playing? Because there's some issue with uh, him, right? Because he... I think there's some clause that he cannot play against uh, City because he's on loan, oh, maybe... Correct, yeah,
1: for parent club, yeah, you're right, you're right. So, yeah, his parent clubs, so I don't think Harrison will feature. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mm. So, uh, I think, yeah, the same formation. Uh,
3: okay, so, uh, Rouge, uh coming on to... I, I'm sorry, I forgot to, you know, mention uh, the frailties again as... Kanishk mentioned the defensive issues that they were facing. So, which lineup do you think will they employ? uh, Ruben Diaz, he's just uh, come over, but he's again a great ball-winning defender and he is a stopper as well. So, what do you think about uh, the defensive line? Who will start?
2: Uh, For me, accordingly, I think he might go. He might bring in Laporte and even Ruben Diaz in this game because I feel like you know it's a partnership that he wants to test out, even though it's again going to be against a tough, tough Leeds. Uh, lead attacking front, uh, I think he would definitely want to get uh, Ruben Diaz uh, fixture in at least just to see, to gauge how he plays on this level and is he willing to adapt or if not he doesn't start a Ruben Diaz, you can see him bringing on Eric Garcia and then later on Ruben Diaz as a sub if everything is going well for City.
3: True, but I think uh, Eric Garcia should be rested again uh, like Addy spoke in the last uh, session that you know younger players should not be overused. And he should definitely, you know, look into maybe coming on as a sub. But again, what do you think about um, uh, Ruben Diaz uh, in his previous club?
2: I have actually not followed much of him uh, when he was at Benfica, but from what I've been seeing of his highlights and like, you know, his uh, play, I can say no. that like he seems to be he seems to be a fit for City as of now. Like you know. We as of now, like it. It looks like this is the player that City wanted, like someone to come, uh, probably like you know, give a combination to, was uh, good enough, like Laporte, you know, someone to like give it, like a good combination. Mm. There, I can see that a, being a good combination later, but then you know, yeah. with City spending like about like what 200, 300, 400 million on their defense, million, yeah. <laughs> You you've got you've got to find like you know you've got to hit like a chemistry at the very beginning of everything, like you know, of like Peps. Uh, when he when he just started, I think I think he tried to address the defensive issues with different players. But then, you know, with like spending every time on your defense. And I'd I, like to be honest, I don't think Nathan Ake is worth 40 million. But then yeah. he's he's fine. He's there at City and he's done a reasonably decent job. But I think that he's I think Eric Garcia, Laporte, and Ruben Diaz they might be the one who might be taking this team forward, uh, defensively. Sure. Yeah, but defensively
4: Manchester City, I don't. Apart from the mistakes, individual mistakes that obviously Eric Garcia made, they haven't been that bad. With exception being on the on, on the left backs, I think Kyle Walker and Benjamin Wendy, Wendy, they've been the problem. So I think once they rectify that, they shouldn't be that much of an issue. But yeah, Ruben Diaz and Eric Garcia and Nathan Ake and all these guys Laporte, I think they have a huge now list of people that they can actually play and. And they're obviously hoping to, you know, get involved in all the different kinds of uh, cup games and Champions yeah. League. So it's a good signing either way for Manchester City.
1: Yeah, I true. Think, yeah, Ruben Diaz is he's he's a really good defender. He's again in that Pepe mold. He's someone who's very yeah. firm, very firm. You know, defensively, very physical. Very, sound, yeah. very physical. Yeah. Someone who loves to just put in a challenge. Loves to break down play. So he's got that Pepe mold, and he's he's been really good for Portugal also in the in the Nations League as well. He's been playing really well for them. Signing, is a young center back again, yeah. Uh, but then I think, uh, you know, a couple of years back, or maybe sometime back, we were talking the same about Otamendi as well. You know, him being a really good defender, and he's actually a horrible defender. So it depends to see on how well he adapts to the uh, uh, pace of the Premier League.
3: Since you've <laughs> uh, you've mentioned about you know the Nations League and all, uh, we have a player, Michael Cusson, who, who actually was supposed to come from Bayern to Leeds again, yeah, he, he's. French. He's actually played well for France as well. You know, he scored a couple of goals yes. for them. But but uh, the, the the transfer has collapsed because of uh, him failing the medical. Okay, what yes. do you think about Michael Cusant's, um transfer back to Bayern? What do you think? Uh, where will he be going from here?
1: Uh, I think
3: it's sad because Kuisance is
1: he's he's again another very 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 talented youngster. Sure. He's got a lot of potential. He's been really good for the Bayern. Uh, the second the second team that plays in the uh, the third division of of German football. True. Uh, True. And he recently got in. Uh, he recently got into the first team with Hansi Flick. Uh, yeah. Very talented. So I think a lot of French players, a lot of uh, young and upcoming French players. Uh. Yeah. So he'll definitely be someone to watch out for for France in the future. Very good player, but again, I think he had a bit of there was something with me on his ankle. Yeah. Where he said that you know he could be more injury prone once he comes here. Uh, probably go back to Bayern, head out on loan to a, a bigger side hmm. like Manchester. Back or Wolfsburg or probably Hertha Berlin, either of the teams probably, you know, try and gain more fitness, try and, you know, gain more, uh, gain more strength, and then probably he can probably come back to the Premier League.
3: Sure. So, uh, you know, the Pablo Hernandez is actually injured. So what do you Mm. think without him? How will the creativity index, you know, fluctuate?
0: I mean, if he's not going to be able to figure that out, he should just surrender his wages because that's his job. (laughs) If Bielsa can't figure out how he's going to do without his 36-year-old playmaker, then he shouldn't
3: be in the business. Yeah, because uh, he actually in the pre-match conference did state that he is uh, worried about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, he can be worried about that. But then we all know who this guy is. I mean, he's saying something, he's doing something else. He's so sneaky, you don't even know half the time what he's actually doing. So, yeah. you know, you know, you can't really go by... There's a lot of mind games going around. I mean, I hear a lot of... Uh, uh, comments these days between Artin and Arteta and Klopp praising each other but we all know that's just a bunch of bullshit I mean if, uh, if either of the, one of them gets the coronavirus they'll be more than happy they're like alright you fucked up your team now I don't have to worry about anything else so all these things that people keep saying in post-match press conferences are because they're being paid to right they're being paid yeah. to be a football manager so they're gonna use whatever, whatever advantage they can whether it be psychological physical Some other player gets injured. They're going to all act like, oh, that's really bad. But inside, they're like, oh, finally, I have a chance. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, you got a 36-year-old playmaker who's out of the game. You're really worried about him. I mean, wouldn't you be really more worried about him if he got injured in the third minute? That's what I would be worried about. Because uh, if you can use this as an opportunity to give one of your young players a chance and then you're just saying, oh, I don't have any structure in my team if my right midfield is out. I can't. Yeah. I can't create anything. Then why? How did leads get even promoted? And I'm pretty sure at the top level, everybody knows about this. So whatever he's whatever he's saying, is uh, is just you know it's it's fubar. Yeah.
4: yeah. So uh... yeah, but Rodrigo, question, Calvin Phillips in the front, providing to uh, Patrick Bamford. They've been really good. Helder Costa, like Adwait said, is very good as well. I think they have a good team and I don't think obviously they a team like that will always miss their, their 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 superstar you know but but yeah they've done well so far
3: but yeah what do you think about rodrigo again
4: sorry go sorry go ahead go ahead no maybe maybe Bale says safeguarding himself i don't know i don't know but just being pessimistic for some reason would uh, love to look deep into it yeah i don't know what do you think adway
1: I think probably, you know, Pablo Hernandez, he was brilliant with Swansea when Swansea got promoted. Uh, yeah. yeah yes. Rogers in 2012. So that link up between him and Michu.
4: Hmm.
1: Yeah, Michu, one I remember. Too. Yeah. yeah they, were, they were brilliant that season. They were decimating teams left, right and center. Uh, but yeah, I think age is probably caught up to him. He, he was still decent in the championship. I think he had a eight goal return uh, last season in the championship. Uh, but I still don't feel they're overly reliant on him. I think uh, they have a different style of playing. It's not only uh, everything goes through Pablo Hernandez. Yeah. I think uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, I'm not. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right as well. Matthias Klitsch. Uh, the po- the yeah yeah, yeah, right, yeah yeah So <laughs> he's someone again who's very robust. He's always you know up uh, and, and down good the field. Goal of, he was good goal too. Yeah, yeah. He's got a wonderful. Goal. Goal.
3: I think they yeah. have good offensive support uh, from the wing backs as well. Eiling especially. He steps in uh, ahead, like Walker
1: and, does. And, and, and even Dallas as well. Dallas also, you
3: don't notice it much because I think Harrison does majority of the work down the
1: left. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see now that Harrison doesn't play. I'm, I want to see who Bielsa starts down that wing. So,
3: what are your predictions for the match?
1: Uh, so I think City will be pissed. Uh, you know, losing five two to <laughs> Leicester was was an utter was an was they were an utter shambles. City, they were yeah. really, really, really bad. Um, you know, so I think they'll be really pissed. But, uh, and I know, I think Leeds are also a good, good side. But I don't, in terms of quality, I think City are, you know, miles ahead of Leeds. And, you know, whatever the tactical onus that uh, Bielsa has and Pep has, I still think that City will go away with this comfortably. I think it'll be a 4-1 win expecting a Sterling hat-trick. Because I'm capping him in FPL. So <laughs> you, you better score. Yeah, but I wasn't very impressed with how Sterling played us in
4: front. Uh, and now, Jesus is missing probably three games. And I know where he's mm-hmm. gone for
1: two months. I don't know how he's gonna respond up front
4: hopefully He had,
1: but, that, uh, Liam Dallab, so he had that young sir Rory dallap the Stoke City guy who used to torment Arsenal every time time with his yeah team. yeah.
4: But um, that so was it, a surprising it, decision to bring someone that young yeah, don't you think I know and he brought him on at half time right was it yeah, yeah I think it, at it was yes 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 I mean, it was when wadi was on fire and they had no answers to him and this did they bring exactly, that I, I mean so there are
1: sometimes when I think Pep is just clueless like he, he's completely like yeah, suddenly, he doesn't really uh, have
4: those uh, options either
1: you think about it Fernandini was very angry on being subbed uh, off I don't know why exactly. he made that decision
4: but and he went on at him. Did you see Pep and Flanty? Yes. Right. I got I've never I've never seen something like that like with, with Pep, yeah. especially. You know, a very you new know, drama queen, but with,
1: with Pip, I don't think that's that's a very common sight to see, you know. I think only once with Zlatan when Zlatan was in Barcelona and he was very unhappy with the way. Yeah. Zlatan is Zlatan. yeah. You guys you guys are forgetting about the
2: Aguero incident a couple of seasons back. When ah, he yes. up, When he pulled Aguero. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah.
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but th- those are the kind of players that want game time. Anguero is just, you know, that's the kind of player he is. If only Pep so had to manage they get Balotelli, to, get to involved.
0: so interesting. Sorry? Only man- if only Pep had to manage Balotelli, that would have been... Really oh, fun. man.
1: <laughs> I, I would pay to watch that, dude. Stuck around. <laughs> uh, Mancini I don't think had a so. lot
0: of time. I think he had over-anxiety over having a striker like Balotelli and trying to...
4: You never know if, uh, if Jesus and Aguero are out for too long. Balotelli is a free agent.
1: <laughs> nah, I, don't, I don't think as free what? as he is. I don't think any <laughs> <as he has laughs> players. Don't I don't play think any
4: one of us like FIFA yeah. so him. Isn't
2: Sami Nasri a free agent too? I
1: mean Please Peter also. Crouch
2: is Peter Crouch is the better option than Balotelli. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Pandey. Yeah, I know, but then he's he was willing to come back last season with <laughs> Mourinho yeah, yeah. and Spurs. Yeah.
1: yeah. What a
3: so cool. So, I'd like to step onto Chelsea versus Crystal Palace now. Uh, so we've all uh, seen how Chelsea has been playing. You know they've played good in the EFL again, but again they lost to Rottenham in the penalty. So what do you think about Chelsea's defense? If you if we jump straight onto that, do you think Thiago Silva and uh, the underrated Timori, along with um, you know Chilwell at the left, what do you think uh, will Lampard be looking into in the defensive options? Uh, Ruj.
2: I I feel like he has to start with Chilwell, like you know, because Alonso had a horrible game at West Brom, yep. and, and he was taken off at halftime, and then apparently there are rumors going around that he walked straight into the team bus, and like you know, Lampard like gave him a proper like you know telling that you know, that this is not what you do, like you yep. don't you don't leave your team even though you're subbed, you don't you don't go you don't storm off like this. But then I feel defensively they have to start with Chilwell. I don't know if he's going to start with Silva again. But I think I think you know just to like reinstate that confidence, maybe okay you know here take your start go show me what you can do. Uh, I think I think uh, Thiago Silva might start in this game as well. Yeah. Um, you know, for me in the, what what actually I really want to like point out is that with last time with last week when we were discussing with Hanif and he said that you know that Frank Lampard is clueless is absolutely clueless in his tactics. I think yeah. I think in the West Brom game it was like three mistakes three big mistakes from Chelsea's defense and you know. They were they were completely like shut. Like they but didn't I don't have think any we can blame game. it
3: on Lampard. They were individual errors. Yeah, so, right, I mean, right. right. yeah, that's
2: what I'm I'm getting, I'm getting to the part that where when he introduced Callum hudson and in yeah. that in that second half, the game changed for Chelsea because as much, as much I'm like surprised to say it, but all three goals came from like Academy stars, uh like you know, True. players from the Academy. So, you know, it is it shows that there is a direction at Chelsea, but then if Lampard had got like his had got. If luck was in Lampard's uh, this one favor in the first half, I think he would have coolly nicked this game uh, with against West Brom. It was just like Alonso's like two uh, Alonso. I think two errors, and then even Thiago Silva's one mistake. It just like changed the game for Chelsea in the first thirty minutes. But then now going into this game, I feel uh, defensively that he has to bring in Chilwell, and uh, also. I would like to see uh, I would like to see Werner playing up front instead of Tammy Abraham. I would like to see Werner playing up front and Hudson Odoi being the supporting role on the left. I think
3: Werner really likes to pace out initially. That is why I think they are really starting him on the left. But, um, but then, you know, it,
2: it, it didn't work out quite well in that first half with uh, Tammy. Yeah. They both they both just didn't like click. Like it was like even though like you know he had like one shot ch- one shot on like the crossbar. I didn't yeah. feel other than any other moment other than that like it. Like anything uh, fruitful was uh, resulted, because the way the way they, like it looked like they both were like obviously it, they are playing for the like it's it's a relatively new team, but I feel like he has to bring in Kalim madar because that he was the X factor in that uh, West Brom game, and he has to like bring him over here and like you know maybe like give Werner a uh, free uh, free space like okay fine go again try try again being a number nine let's see what happens.
3: Even Chelsea were a little clinical in the first half despite not scoring. They were yeah. clinical and they were making chances. But again, uh, I'd like to ask Kush this, that you know, with Zayesh and Pulisic, they're nearing a return to fitness. What do you think Lampard will be looking at uh, into starting for uh, uh, in the weekend against Crystal Palace?
4: Crystal Palace, uh, like it, was, it has been pointed out, you know, it's defensively there's been an issue for Chelsea with Christensen and obviously individual mistakes are something that a club like Chelsea won't tolerate. But I think one thing that we don't talk about is Kurt Zuma. Kurt Zuma should feature at the back. He's he's pretty consistent. If you ask me, he's not a very uh, he's not the kind of defender who who jump out and make mistakes like Christiansen. So Kurt Zuma should feature at the back. Chilwell should definitely be there. Aspiliqueta would be another good option for Chelsea. I think he played in that uh, well, against, yeah. The, against the, yeah he played well against the Tottenham team uh, that that one against Chelsea last uh, Wednesday. So he should feature, I think, and and Thiago Silva would be obviously featuring. I mean, they've got him when they expect they expect something from him. So I think at the back, if they have Cesar Espeliqueta, Chilwell, Thiago Silva, and Kurtzuma, that would be a good option. In front, I think Chelsea has a brilliant team with Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, Mason Mano can't take I don't think that's a very yeah that's something that uh, Lampard would be concerned about. Okay, going against Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace is again a very good side, so.
0: Yeah, I think True. that
4: would be the defensive options for me if I was Lampard. But yeah, especially now that they've seen they've played a side like Tottenham earlier on in the Carabao Cup, they've lost yeah. and they've experienced that early defeat, and they know the players that are playing well for them compared to yeah. what they played against Bisprom. So
3: yeah, Shkinesh, uh, what do you think? By um, you know, uh, if Crystal Palace are to play again, they have Townsend, they've got Draha and they they defend really well if they come deep into their uh, side. So what do you have yeah. to say about um, them yeah. countering, you know, will Chelsea be able to track back with Reese James and if Chilwell is started or do you think SP should be start over uh, Reese? What do you think?
0: Well, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Chelsea, uh, the first thing I want to talk about with Chelsea is uh, Crystal Palace, they have a good side. They have a good balance. Yeah. They're doing the right stuff. They're putting as much pressure as they can and they're, they're getting the results for it. So that's great. I'm not worried about Crystal Palace. What yep. I want to talk about is uh, Chelsea playing against West Brom last, uh, last time around. Yep. And uh, it was so hilarious. I mean, I think it was a huge footballing moment to, <laughs> to see Chelsea approach the game thinking, oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to win. we are got to do a comeback. We've got to yeah. show everybody who we are and this and that. And the next thing you know, uh, they're 3-0 down before halftime. And the moment, the moment the third goal goes in, the camera automatically pans to Frank Lampard showing his face white as a ghost. And it was an absolutely—it yeah. was such a beautiful thing to watch as a, <laughs> as a football fan. I mean, I—I I, 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 the, these are the, uh, the things that you look forward to in the game. You know, what's the exciting thing yeah. going to be? Oh, Chelsea is going to be 3 and down to to West Bromwich. Fantastic. You know, I was actually watching Conan O'Brien on the TV and watching Chelsea's game at the same time. <laughs> and, and as soon as Chelsea scored third goal, I was like, I just switched the television off. I'm like, I have to watch this full time now because yeah. Frank Lampard was literally moments away from having a mental breakdown on the pitch. He went, he was yeah. fuming, he's walking, he doesn't know what's happening. He's thinking to himself, oh, my career is finished. 3-0 to West Brom, where am I? I mean, <laughs> it is an absolute catastrophe. And then he went, he sat down on the bench. People, are I don't think Frank Lambert is walking now. Ah no, there was somebody. Was working, actually. One of his assistants came yeah, 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 yeah. and he tried to speak with him, and he told him like, uh, "You wanna, you wanna maybe, you know, say something to the team, you know, pep them up, do something, do this." And and Frank just shakes his head. He doesn't even look at him. He's just sitting on the bench. He's chewing mm. his nails off, and you know, he's like, "What should I do?" But you know, what impressed me is that he actually didn't do anything. What he probably did do was mm. calm himself down, go back into the tunnel, and that is that is the good thing that came. I mean for entertainment purposes it was fantastic to watch as as an opposition fan or a neutral fan it was like ha ha he's having a mental breakdown anyone would but the good thing what he did was he went back into the tunnel he calmed down he explained to his team listen this is just not going to be tolerated the second half uh, was completely different chelsea just hit the ground running they showed yeah. their skill they showed their talent they their their million dollar signings they all finally started to you know connect no matter what and that is an amazing thing that Frank Lampard did because as a player, you have that experience when you're 3-0 down and Frank Lampard has been 3-0 down many times in his career but yeah. uh, wh- how, you, how you come back how you, how you, you know you tell your team, alright, you know what, it's a bad day, we've, had some, we've mm-hmm. had some bad individual errors in the back we knew that was going to happen but this bad no worries, I'm not bothered yeah. about it. what I'm bothered about is we not scoring another goal back at them that's what, that's what should worry me after you spend so much of money trying to buy one of the best forwards or midfielders from a club that's already, you know, uh, won a Champions League and they're giving you their players and stuff like that. So, you need to use those players to your advantage, right? And that was not happening for Chelsea. But in the second half, they completely dominated the game. They scored their three yeah. goals. They, in the next game against Tottenham, yeah, it's okay. They lost. But you but know they what? They were structurized. Yeah. side that's starting to come together. Slowly but surely, uh, and eventually I think they're going to they're gonna be a very, very strong team. So in this new game, what, uh, yeah. what Lampard should do is, he should calm down. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good to go all out aggressive in the early stages of the Premier League. But sometimes you just got to know what reality is. And the reality is that the Chelsea side are not as much as in sync with each other as they should be. But they're going to get there. And Lampard has to be patient. He has to be patient with his team. He has to be patient with his players. Not put too much pressure on them. Allow them a little bit of freedom. Identify what are the weak points. Recover and work on them. And that is how you're going to at least make sure that you're going to uh, come play games against teams like Crystal Palace. And you're going to come away with a victory. You need the three points. United proved that against Brighton by, you know, however they proved things, by scoring a goal after full-time, which is something I'd never heard of. But uh, they need to. Chelsea need to slowly build their squad together. I think it's an amazing squad. They just need to give a little bit of time. And uh, it'll be a completely different Chelsea in the second half of the season. This particular game, I think Chelsea should win it. They should focus. They will be focusing on their defense. Um, you know, uh, that's a massive issue that they have. So they need to focus on that. And offensively, I think Lampard's going to give uh, a complete freedom. To their forward line, saying you play however you want to play. I all I want to see is goals. So you guys figure it out. Yeah. You're supposed to be well, the best uh, and
2: attackers in the world. Kanishka, I, w- I want to say something to that. Actually, you know, with regard to the reaction you're saying of Lampard, that who was who looked like right. you know like a great TV moment. But I feel I feel like you know sometimes uh, with uh, like uh, managers at Chelsea, there's always that added pressure from their owner. And Roman doesn't make life easy for them. Like even though he has gifted Lampard, like you know, a really good, really good squad. To see them play like that uh, in that first half was questionable. Uh, although, like you know, Rhys James and even Mount, like they were performing. But like you know, Alonso, Kai, Werner, they were just not up to the mark on the, in the first half alone. But right. then, you know, as you said that, you know, his, his, like you know, his greatest moment in that game was to be calm and reassess his options. I definitely agree that. Him uh, getting, uh, as as I said before, like him getting Hudson Odoi, I think that showed that you know he has got it at this level. Like even though like it was just one man he has bought in, but he showed that like you know that like uh, that Hudson Odoi uh, and like his decision backing Hudson Odoi shows right. that like you know, that he he is he is meant to be at this level.
0: Yep, absolutely, and you're right about the added pressure from the top. I mean he has he has to answer to to Abramovich, and yeah, I mean it's been a tradition in the Chelsea in the Chelsea ranks that. Uh the manager is always under the most amount of pressure because we've seen how many managers have come and gone. So uh Lampard, I, I don't think that Abramovich should actually put that much pressure on Lampard because he is a he is a signature player of Chelsea. He's known the world over. Everybody knows him as a, you know, as a blue blooded fan. And uh, yeah, he's a Chelsea loyalist. So you know, me, what are you gonna do? I mean, yeah, me, I, I I, for me, I don't think so. He had uh, like you know, I don't think
2: so. Roman sees it that way. Imagine like he he sacked a World Cup winning coach, Colari, when he was the right. manager of Chelsea, and seven months in. So you know, I don't think so. He sees it in that way. I think he right. like for me. I think if Chelsea are in the top six by December, then I feel like Lampard has saved his job. And if he goes to the top four by the end of the season, then I think Lampard is good for one more season.
0: Yeah, but uh, I think Chelsea set their expectations too high also earlier on in the season by buy, uh, by buying those players. Uh, there were a lot of Chelsea fans uh, on the podcast as well. They were a little bit skeptical about uh, the hue and cry being created over the new signings. And we had discussed this before, that some of the Chelsea fans are completely out and about about the Premier League winning chances. I think, I think they're far from that and uh, now they know it. Now they actually realize that a top four spot is actually more practical for Chelsea, or a top six maybe if yeah. things go bad. But anything besides that, and no trophies this season, is going to be is going to be a, a difficult uh, position for Lampard to be in.
3: I don't think you know that Timo Werner is actually nursing a like he had a cramp actually, and he's nursing that. So what do you think will Jerrod uh, start instead of him, or will Tammy? I think Jerrod. Tammy
4: Tammy should start.
3: I think Giroud should start. He has a very good record against Crystal Palace with Arsenal. He's,
4: yeah.
1: he, he's And he's someone who loves to get into the physical fights, you know, bullying the Palace defenders. And the Palace yeah. defenders, you know, they're always one mistake away, you know, from conceding a goal with Mamadou Sakho. I think, I think the same goes with Scott Dan as well. Mm. Uh, I think Giroud would make, a, uh, would make a better starting option. And I think Giroud also, he'll involve the midfielders a lot more compared to Tammy. Tammy's just a physical, physical presence, you know, in the box. Um, but I think Giroud will offer his, lots. I think was as a super
0: it. sub. Even with Arsenal, he was a super sub. So I think in Chelsea also, he might just come on later in, in the game.
1: But that was towards his initial, you know, his initial like towards the end of his uh, thing when Aubameyang when we signed Aubameyang, I think towards then he was playing as a super sub with Lacazette, featuring a yeah. lot more. But I think when he signed with us, he was brilliant. Him and Podolski were were really yeah. really really good when they came in and he's and you know for someone who's been criticized so much he's actually gone and, and got us but I, I think he's got 100 goals for arsenal more than 100 yeah, goals. he has he's a
0: fantastic striker
2: he's a fantastic,
1: he's
0: fantastic, a fantastic uh, person to be in the box that's who you want uh, him and manzukic are one of the best uh, at doing what they do uh, with that True. physicality present in the in the in the box uh, but i still don't think that uh, lampard is going to go with him, uh, just for the sheer reason that uh, he might decide to use him like how he has been used in in football all the all these years, coming on as a sub, uh, getting a goal, just getting them comfortable. If he decides to start with him, I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, like uh, Giroud yeah. is a more accomplished and experienced player than Tammy Abraham, but then you know you gotta you gotta back your striker. I mean, how are you not going to play a number nine? He's he Tammy Abraham needs to get some goals in his belt. I I saw a couple of efforts that he had uh, in the early in the early games. He was missing a lot, Uh, quite a couple of easy chances. In fact, that should have been in the back of the net. But you know, he has to build that confidence in all his strikers first, so that they start competing against each other and like a healthy competition. And uh, you know, that's the way forward for Chelsea.
3: What What are you predicting uh, the scoreline to be like?
0: Chelsea is going to win three one. I think.
3: Okay. What about you, Adi?
1: I'm going the other way. I think Palace have a lot more firepower up front. And I think Chelsea still are not in sync as what many of us even discussed. In this podcast, I think uh, the Chelsea defenders are, they're really not in sync. I think Palace will nick this. They have a lot of quality, uh, you know, and zahar uh, as a forward is a lot more effective compared to him on the wings. So I think probably this one will go Palace's way, I think 3-2, close game. But I think Palace will nick this one.
3: Uh, what about <laughs> you, question, and
1: Oh, I think 2-1 to Chelsea, uh, but it can go either way. I agree
4: with Adwaito. Crystal Palace can also take that away. 2-1 to Chelsea, though. I think they should still play Tammy Abraham up front. Uh, it, I mean, if Timo Werner does play with Kai Havertz, then definitely Tammy Abraham in the I front. I think because...
3: Timo will start. But again, uh, since Kanishk also favors Tammy over Jerud, uh, I think Jerud performed better, like a little better. Both they were both bang average players in the Carabao as well. But again, Jeru yeah, was able I, to re- yeah. receive balls, long balls from uh, behind. Mm. He was he had more control aerially. So if uh, Timo deferred... doesn't play,
4: no. then probably yeah, probably Jiru would be a good option. But look, if the two Germans play, then I feel like there's a bigger chance of them playing, and not not just them being Germans as a reason, but against Crystal Palace, you never know they could switch the, they could flick the switch and start playing counter football Chelsea. So if they play counter football, then Tammy Abraham is a very good option for for up front. But yeah anyway so chelsea will win 2-1 that's what i think
2: uh, for me i think it's going to be uh, i'm going to go ahead and say 3-1 to chelsea because i think lampard will demand a reaction from his team like after two losses on the bounce i think he would want he would want his team to like you know come back strong and you know try to try to finish up the game early also so that like you know they can bring in they can get in players in and like you know to assess them as well for future games Uh, For me, that that uh, that's going to be a a heavy a heavy request from Lampard on his team, like to give them give a reaction to show the fans that you know what they are meant, and also you know let's see, like I'm I'm guessing it's going to be three one, maybe one defensive error. I don't know from who, but I'm just guessing. I'm going to go for three one.
3: Sure. So uh, I'd like to step into another big game that is uh, United versus Tottenham. That'll be hosted by United. So.
0: Uh, what do you guys think? I think Wait. it's a mid-table game, and we're just blowing it up. <laughs> you know, actually, Mourinho. <laughs> actually, yeah. No, I don't think Tottenham. we're just witnessing it early. There's not much of the game because, quite clearly, only the United fans are, and they, even they're not going to watch it because they just want to wake up in the morning, <laughs> what the score line is, then turn off their notifications and get back to work. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Wolves
1: uh, and game. Fulham will be more interesting. We should review Wolves and Fulham. That looks we more will. interesting. Whoa, whoa, we will guys, offer uh, that. Guys, <laughs> you <don't>? Angry Rouge. <laughs> party.
2: Yeah. Not, not angry. <laughs> you know, not angry. No. I can I can take yeah. this, but this is another level of this. Like you know, where we won't see <laughs> like, the game, that's what happens with Arsenal. Yeah. They
4: used to be mid table, so you know, yeah. they're just content. Kind of oh. yeah. well, it's true. It's true. It's true. When was the last time that's we saw you at the Champions League?
0: No, when it's, the, it's true, it's a fact. I mean, the league, for the league consecutive. Now let me tell okay. you. Okay, know. let, let let's, let's
4: go on. Go. Let's let's talk about yeah. this. Okay, this is yeah. very interesting. Yeah. How yeah. Many, yeah. Yes, has Arsenal yeah. been yeah. Uh, yeah. an average side and without being questioned? Yeah. With you know, yeah. and Manchester United. Obviously, yeah. people analyze. People analyze yeah. well, I, championship I, sides like Barcelona and Manchester United.
1: And they go, okay, yeah, this is something. There's something
4: wrong. No, yeah. Wait, yeah. did you just put Manchester United, United in
1: Barcelona's class? No, 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 no. Let's get one thing straight. Post foggy left, you guys have been utter rubbish. You've been worse than us. And the fact that you think
4: Barcelona is an
1: ultimate team right
4: now. I mean, the they were. They were. Done, they they were very, I mean,
1: shows how much uh, they were dominating. Though. They were dominating, I mean, world football till, a, till about a couple of seasons, till Satian came in and Satian wrecked everything. Made it go See, all kaput. Right what
0: he's saying is, that I don't think Setien did that, that
1: more
4: than it is. What's his name? That guy. Bartomu, the Bartomu.
1: Bartomu. Bartomu is the guy who wrecked him. Yes.
2: So yeah, I think I think we should just get back to the United Spurs game and finish that, and then then let's talk about yeah. Arsenal.
1: <laughs> no,
3: yeah. Let's talk about Wolves and Fulham. We we'll do that in the end with, along with Toffees and Seagulls. Yes, we'll,
2: okay. We'll
3: okay, so uh, I'd like to start with our United supporters, eh, Ruj. Um, again, yeah, Jordan, No, I'd like to start with Kosh. I think Kosh did not speak much, right? Yeah. Okay. I guess I United fans <laughs> never speak much.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. because fans okay. hog all of social media. Others,
0: United <laughs> Man, they don't speak much. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. United fans, <laughs> just in my head, talking all the nonsensical <laughs> bullshit that I've had to go through for the last 10 years.
1: Yeah,
0: so, oh, right. in the mountain of glory that they're like, oh, glory, glory, Man United. Every time I'm like, glory, glory. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, cool. It's a great saying. But look what your club is. I mean just saying hashtag GGMU is not gonna fix anything. <laughs> hashtag Van Hal out, hashtag this guy out, hashtag Moiz out. It's not gonna fix your club situation. Your club situation is is in on the pitch, it's on the field, it's how the players are performing. And I as an Arsenal yeah. fan have seen when players don't perform on the hundred percent level, they don't perform like Forever. Them. you like, see you witness that, for that forever, and you still you witness it. it. You, yeah, have. Yeah, you have I understand the, the good thing is now I don't have to see that anymore. Now I can get to see Man United play. And do the same fucking shit that we were doing for the last 10 years. <laughs> and I know that eventually that's gonna come down to a point where you guys are gonna text us saying I'm not available for today's podcast because uh, <laughs> the honest reason for that would be you just don't want to show up. But but,
4: uh, but without, without other incredibility, other I, I don't know how you can actually back your statement of yeah, you I mean, finished I mean, below United I mean, even after last season. The game is over. Imagine, imagine this is oh, the misery they talk it. about. This is the misery they talk about. They talk about a shit United team that's finished above them. That that right. I risk my case. I mean, that's the kind of fans you have
0: here. United is <laughs> <laughs> right, still playing
4: Champions League and these guys are happy. Why are you happy?
1: Hey, no, I'm not, happy. I'm happy. you happy this You playing I'm last I season.
0: I am actually enjoying we it. We are
4: playing this season. Ground. Yes, that's what I mean, I'm saying. The fact that, that we, are, we are playing Champions League this season.
1: And you I still know, you're running in the Europa anyways, you've got Leipzig, you've got PSB. So, I'll see you in the Europa Anyways,
3: I think we lose the Europa League too because you're too used to being in there. okay. are you going to
0: keep any of this
3: in? Uh, I think so yeah
0: I mean I to start the Champions League campaign because uh, that is the time I'm expecting that Kush is going to be absent for most of the podcasts <laughs> but he's going
4: to I'll tell you something I might be absent for the podcast but I'll let you know what times the games are because you haven't watched them in a long time because your team doesn't feature in them so I'll let you know what time they are oh, I would, years I would I would watch the
0: Champions League every uh, Wednesday and Thursday so you don't have to tell me that when the Champions League is going to come and at what time, I know. I know. You in know fact, I, ha- I, took, <laughs> I I had to uh, take a job which allowed me to see Champions League games at night and for 19 years, I probably... I don't think you. Guys, I don't guys. think when
4: Arsenal was playing in the last Champions League, you had a job because I don't think you had graduated. That's how <laughs> long ago this has been. Oh Quite.
0: my God.
1: When you were in school. Average.
0: 19 years. I'm 26. They don't talk to me about,
4: about the job. When, when you were clearly watching Champions League and Porto won. <laughs> what? Was, oh, no, no. This is okay. the kind of
0: this is what happens when you're in denial it starts to scramble with this your is and so This no is what I'm saying. This is how Lango used to watch We just late, say something because... so that it just mutes out the other people so that they don't get
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay anyway, fine. let's let's let's, let's let's
3: move on, on. No, let's move on. We'll save the banter for the end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Please. I love the banter. So again, uh, starting with Kush, you know, Tottenham look really solid under Mourinho, especially with that's the kind of players it. that he <laughs> Okay, that's fun. Especially with the kind of players that he has, you know, employed in the team. Especially with Doty and Davies, Eric Deere, we have Sanchez forming the back line. What do you think? Uh, will be will they be able to, you know, penetrate a weak united mid and a defensive line. What do you think about this?
4: You know, I hate to admit, but I think they can. I, I, last time uh, against, well, unfortunate against Newcastle. But I've seen some. We've seen real good play from Tottenham. I can see Jose Mourinho's tactics side finally showing, and you can yep. see the intent from the Tottenham players, and you can see the intent from the transfer market, from from the management side, from the coaching side. You can see with in their team now they're stronger than they've ever been. So, yep. I, yep. and he came scoring hat tricks. I don't know how how good he's going to be. And, and Son scoring four goals. So I think this Tottenham's tie side can definitely finish in the top three. This is amazing. They don't, they, they, I think they can, they can play really well against United. And I hope, I hope United wins. I, well, United's got luck sometimes against top teams. So I'm still going to go with United being, beating them 2 1. But yeah, I think with Los and Son and Kane and Garrett Bale and Harry Winks. And yeah, like you said, Doherty and Davies at the yeah. back. Yeah, Eric Dyer. is so 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 versatile. He he knows how to switch between defensive mid and defense. He he can cause some damage as well. So this is a good Tottenham side with Jose Mourinho as a tactician, and and I don't think Sokratis is a very good manager. So this is a big problem for United.
3: Sure, uh, but don't you think uh, seeing United just play against Brighton in the second uh, match, the Carabao Cup, um Van der Beek... Along with McTominay, are a good option as a duo together. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Well, I don't see McTominay as a very bad option, but I don't I, look. I'm looking at United as a permanent side going forward, and and uh, McTominay doesn't feature in my permanent midfielder, you know, okay. uh, squad. But yeah, uh, talking from the Premier League perspective, they played Pogba, they played Matic and Bruno Fernandes, I think they want to keep those guys, those are the permanent people that Manchester United want to keep and keep uh, Scott McTominay to maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, important or, yeah, play an important role, but I think he's he's one of those guys who will come on and, and make a difference, but I don't see him as a permanent option for United, because he can switch off, he can switch on, he's good, he's bad. I, I, lack of consistency will become a, a thing if you put too much of Scott McTominay in the middle. So looking okay. at the at the at the prominent squad that Manchester United have in the middle with Matic, Fernandes, Pogba, and and they keep bringing Fred on, which I don't know why. But yeah. yeah, I I don't think that's a very promising midfield that Manchester United have. Yeah, one good performance from Scott McTominay, but yeah, again, like I was talking last time, I think wings Manchester United are the missing there as well. Sancho has forever been chased down by the Manchester no, United. That, maybe, yeah. Probably, but they're going for Osman Dembele now. So, if that happens, then that'll be very, very good for Manchester United. But you can see the intent. You can see that they want to strengthen their themselves uh, wide. They want to create some opportunities out wide. and That's the only way that the midfield will get the kind of support they need. Because I don't think Pogba is showing intent. And, and, yep. and Bruno Fernandes is the only guy who's probably trying his best. But there will be times when you know Bruno Fernandes would require some sort of support. And so going would, into Champions League... I, I would start. I would actually go for a very similar side than they went against Brighton. The Pogba, match, Bruno Fernandez, Greenwood, Greenwood, and Rashford, and, and I,
3: Marcia. I still think Van de Beek instead of Pogba would do that. Van justice. the
4: Beek would do justice. Yeah, uh, yeah, they could, but but Van der Beek could do justice. Yeah, but but Pogba has got their experience, so it's very tricky. But I I would definitely play Van der Beek in the match. There's no doubt about that. I'm not saying that you know don't bring him on at all, but. Yeah, I think Matic and Pogba have that experience, so maybe they'll be a good good option to put against Tottenham. But yeah, I might be wrong. Yeah, Van definitely, and and like you said, Scott McTominay and Van have been good together, so that could be a good option as well.
3: Uh, Rude, coming on to you. I'm Are gonna you- go over.
4: Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I'm gonna go over. Uh, I'm gonna go with experience over, over All the right. last game, Carabao Cup. Yeah, performance.
3: So, uh, Roj, since we've actually spoken about you know the midfield, I'd like you to comment on uh, Shaw's uh, place being contested with excellent displays and a brilliant performance by Williams, who was able to you know uh, keep the United defense intact in the Carabao Cup. So, what do you think about um, Williams starting again uh, instead of uh, Shaw?
2: No, I I think I think Williams ha- Williams had his moment. In the Carabao Cup, and like he did a really good job over there. But then in this game, I would suggest uh, I would definitely go with the experience of Shaw, what he brings to this team, because like Shaw also is is a player that who has been improving like game by game, season by season. There has been there has been a very good improvement in him. So I definitely see him starting. Uh, also, like just to come back to Kush's point uh, with regard to uh, like you know with regard to McDominy, I think. I think going forward, McTominay will be featuring more in United. Like you know, I see him. I see him as a cover for Matic uh, in the future because, as like you know, I think Matic has got like another two good years left at United for him. But uh, McTominay will definitely take take over that role. Uh, however, with uh, Spurs, I just have to bring and say one more thing. I think this is their fourth game in uh, this week, so I think it's going to be like you know, I don't know about ex- exhaustion, but it's it's very rare you see like teams winning like four games back to back in one week. So I don't know if uh, Spurs are like you know if Spurs will be like you know uh, physically prepared to face United. Although like Mourinho does have like a good team at his disposal, even though Son is not there. At the He's moment. not there. Yeah, Son is not there. I think uh, Son is injured. Right.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, he, I, was... I, I don't know. he
2: was
1: training though. He was training. I don't he know. He was okay. training, but then Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale is going to be here, Yeah. yeah
2: i think yeah i think yeah no but uh wasn't there rumors of him coming as a sub though in the later half of the game
3: no No? i'm sure
2: okay because uh, all right but then like spurs have spurs have like you know even the new uh the left back who we were supposed to sign yeah even he also he also was like really good uh, against uh,
3: Chelsea in the second half. Yeah,
2: yeah. In the in second the first half, he was, half, he was really bad. Yeah, first half it was his. I think it was his error that caused that. That led to the goal. But then Couple the second half, errors. he yeah. Second half he did really well, and he came yeah. back and like you know. I think he's he also like I don't know if he might feature because you know Dottie and uh, Davies like you know those are the options that they go for generally. But let's see. Yeah. Um, for me, I I don't think so. Like this first team uh, will be. Physically prepared or like you know to face this United team uh, for like the fourth game this week, so I would definitely go like for two, 2
3: 0 United. Yeah, before we come on to again the Gunners, I'd like to bring Kush into the conversation. Kush, what do you think about Bailey? His performance was incredible again, he was holding the defense pretty well, and with Maguire and Lindelof not really working well in the you know starting 11 matches for uh, in the PL. So, what do you think? Will they start Bailey next to Maguire or uh, how will it be? He should start by next to uh, Maguire. I think Lindelof is not just with
4: Harry Maguire, but Lindelof overall hasn't been a very good defender. Even individually, he's not been able to cope with the with the Premier League pressure this season. So, yeah, Harry Maguire with Bailey, I think that's a very good option. I saw Van Bisaka who wasn't very good last time around, so I think they can probably find a replacement for that as well. But, yeah, uh, Harry Maguire and, and Eric Bailey definitely for this game, yeah.
3: Anish, I'd like to talk to you um, about Lamella. We had actually underestimated him a lot in the last few sessions, saying that he's not a really a 90-minute player. But mm-hmm. again, we witnessed that he was really good uh, when it came to close encounters and close duels, grounded duels, and you know, he he actually uh, he was brilliant. He was one of the best players yeah. on the pitch. So, what do you have to say about Lamela's inclusion instead of uh, Lucas Mora?
0: See, uh, both of them, number one, are equally good players. Uh, they both have different qualities, though. Um, Lamela, in in my opinion, has been a fantastic player. He just has he's performed in patches. Uh, he's yeah. had his moments, and we you know that when he decides to turn that dial up, he can really switch it on, and he can uh, put an opposition in all kinds of disarray. Uh, Lucas Mora is another one of those people who can sneak in the goals. He's powerful. He's uh, you know he's he has this that strength. He has the speed. He has a uh, decent finishing ability. <coughs> But, uh, you know, Eric Lamella is one of those players who can, if, you, if, you, if you're struggling um, on the pitch and you have a player like Lamella and you decide that, all right, you know, it, it's, it's the kind of decision you're going to make, whether I'm going to have this player still on, whether he's going to create something for me or no. he's just not up to the mark today. So, that kind of, Lamella is that kind of a player. Uh, you don't know when he's having a good day, when he's having a bad day and uh, when he's having a good day, you want to keep him for ninety minutes. But when yep. he's not, you just you know you want to take him off in the sixtieth because you're going to realize he's not going to be creating a lot of chances. Um, yep. Tottenham have the advantage of uh, of a lot of decent players in their squad, right? And yep. I don't know if Baylor is going to feature so early on for them. I mean, I made that mistake of thinking that uh, Thiago is not going to feature for Liverpool early on, but that was that was obviously incorrect. Um, but
3: he's with COVID now, so yeah.
0: Yeah, he, he he's playing for them and he's uh, already boots on the ground, uh, playing for Liverpool, getting settled in, all all's happening. But let's see, let's see whether whether Bale is going to add differently to the dimensions, whether, you know, let's see what's going to happen. But as far as Lamella is concerned, he's a great player. Just he has his days and sometimes uh, not.
4: I think Lamella is a very good option with LaSalle, so they understand each other really well. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, yeah. They, can, they can be your Son and Kane combination. Going yeah. forward, and if they have, have an game alternate, game. if they have, the if they have an alternative to Soden uh, Kane, because like, 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 you know, this is this is the, this is a fourth game, right, this week. Yeah. So you, when you have games like this, when you have a tight schedule like this, there's a good combination like Lamela and Loselso, who can be as good as Son and Kane. That would be amazing for them.
3: Yep. Uh, coming on to Adi, Adi, I'd like to ask you: Is uh, Eric again expected to take a dip in the pot <laughs> with the match <laughs> ongoing? <laughs> And especially the way United perform, you know, you think he can afford to do that against United in the 80th minute?
1: Wow, that question reminds me of Republic TV star reporters. (laughs) (laughs) As as the man said, if you've got to go, you've got to go. I just hope it doesn't come then. Okay. Uh, But (laughs) anyway, talking about the tactical aspect of the game, I think it should be a good game. Uh, Okay. I think Spurs are in good form now, but yeah, I've got Rootside as well. You know, they've they've played four games. Yeah. I think this, this week. Uh, and Son is also. I think he's. I don't. I don't know if he'll feature or not. But he was in training. Bale is out. Bale is out for sure. Uh, so I don't think Bale will feature. Uh, but again, it should be a good battle. I think uh, if yeah, if probably Son doesn't start, uh, Lamela would be a good option on the left. Uh, you know him, and uh, also you know Regulon. So him and Regulon as well. Regulon is again. He he did make a mistake, I think, in the Carabao Cup against Chelsea, but he made up for it with that assist. Uh,
3: yeah.
1: With with the assist for uh, for the goal for Lamela's goal. So he's he's again. So I think uh, they do have a lot of uh, players, you know, who can who can hurt United. Uh, really, you know, in a in a, a back uh, they've got Regulon, you you've got Harry Kane, you've got Loser yeah. also. Um, Go ahead. So, yeah, you've got Bergwijn. Yeah. Bergwijn will be a good option off the bench. Again, he's again someone, you know, he's pretty young. Dutch wonder kid again. Lot of talent, lot of talent. Uh, good player. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of talent. Uh, it just now, you just have. To, I think we'll have to just wait and see, you know. about
4: dele Ali. I, Ali, I think,
1: you know, Mourinho's <laughs> kind of like frozen him out. Though he did score in the Europa League. I think they won 7-2. He did score in yeah, the… In the yeah, 4, yeah. And, yeah, he scored a penalty though.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, he scored a penalty in the 90th minute. So… I don't... And again, Ali, for me, he's been very inconsistent no, except for that breakthrough season he had when he moved from he
4: was. Is Ali bad. the new Lingard? I think oh. so. <laughs> that,
1: probably call that, him...
0: That I don't know how be. this doesn't remind you of Republic uh, reporter's question. Is Ali as good? As <laughs> Ali? What kind of yeah, a actually. this guy? No, <laughs>
1: Actually, it is. I, I, I completely agree with Kush, actually, because Ali's not... not He's not really... I don't even know... I I don't see any impact. He doesn't have much of an impact on any of the games he's played. He's been really poor. He's, his distribution, yeah. you know, his his sense it's of the game, of, his understanding of the game. Career has declined. Yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah he's, he's declined. He's kind of like become like Ozil, you know, completely, you know, just sulk and sit in a corner type. type, type Rosal, yeah. But
4: Ozil's quality at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, Ozil's he's more quality,
1: like a you know, If you want to compare attitude, it to
4: someone. Lord yeah, Bainter.
0: One player I'm very sad that we haven't spoken about yet is Dominic Calvert-Lewin from Everton. We will, we will. Well. We haven't we
2: talked about
3: it. Okay, but yeah, One last <laughs> question. Uh, I cannot Yeah. So, uh, Kanish, what do you think? Uh, you know, Regu, uh, Regu Leon has just been, you know, introduced into the Spurs side, and he actually showed his uh, paces and, you know, excellent I skill. i will at...
0: just cut you off over there. I don't care yeah. who Spurs have introduced into their whatever side. <laughs> <laughs> As an Arsenal fan, they can put whatever they want. They had a huge opportunity to do that four years ago when they sold Gareth Bale. Or yeah. whatever. whenever they sold him. But, uh, you know, like fine. You know, Tottenham have a great manager. Uh, he is very well experienced. He knows what he's doing. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I think, but, uh, but however, he's...
3: He I mean, I'm just adding on to that. They bought Christian Eriksen. They bought uh, Dembele. They bought uh, you know Lamella with that money. Yeah. Uh, they yeah, had
0: a lot their of peak. Yeah. they had their peak uh, with those players as well. reaching the Champions League final is a huge achievement.
3: massive yeah. achievement.
0: But we must remember how they you know sneaked into the final as yeah. how I would call it, because uh, <laughs> that, that goal that Lucas Moura scored right at the end yeah. Uh, yeah. was like it was it was that that you know as a neutral it was cruel
4: it was cruel
0: you know the, yeah but uh, then they were
4: pretty tidy yeah. that season so you can't say yeah. that they were very very tidy that season harry kane yeah. was scoring at, he was really really good that they, season too. that was the they, season before the inji- yeah. before his injury right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but was, uh, it's yeah, themselves
0: in the fixture and you know at the end of the day that's what you need to do uh, yep. you know you need to keep yourself in the game you need to keep yourself in the hunt and tottenham have uh, i think they've peaked that's what i think i think tottenham has their moments? They've they reached the Champions League final. They're still a good squad right now, but mm-hmm. uh, you know they have their they have their problems at Tottenham. I don't but, think but Anish, but Anish, but the yeah.
2: they peaked under Poch. They are not peaked under Mourinho yet. Yeah, That's yeah. There's two player different player. arguments there. See, yeah
0: you know, you know, like, uh, for for these guys was like how Christopher Columbus was for the Spanish. You know, like go out, see what you can get for us, and but you, you, you couldn't, couldn't
4: think of another manager. Christopher Columbus.
0: Oh, wow, That's the manager, that's the yeah. reference, a historical reference which you probably should get given that you're probably watching the History Channel most of the time as a United fan. <laughs>
1: oh, that's <laughs> a comeback! Yep. But then, the analogy that I'm
0: trying to make is, you know, like Pochettino went out and about, full, all guns blazing. I, I like
4: your Champions League final uh, statement, okay. you used to that.
0: And, What who Mourinho is? I think Mourinho is just here steadying the ship. You know, like you've got you've gotten yourselves into a good position. You're a consistently performing side. Now you just have to keep that consistency up, and to be able to do that, you need to have a smart guy behind the reins. And I think Mourinho is an absolute. And I think Mourinho's Chelsea and United days are gone. In fact, when I when when uh, Mourinho left United, I felt uh, it was the end of a certain kind of Mourinho. Or when he left Chelsea after he came back. The Premier League. I think there was a different kind of attitude, approach to the game, approach to other managers that we saw from Mourinho before that. He was very aggressive. He was always doing, you know, his his uh, his antics, as I would call it. But now Mourinho he, he, Even though he is a very experienced manager, I feel that he's matured now uh, more so yeah. than he was before. So yep. I think he's the guy who can steady the ship uh, for Tottenham. And I think he's doing good business. He's doing whatever uh, good he can. I mean. Like any one of us would love to have Gareth Bale in the team. Like uh, he would be a good sign. Uh, no, I mean no matter uh, his form or anything. But you know he's done a good job by getting him back to Spurs. He could have gone. Uh, Bale could have gone anywhere else for that matter. But uh, he's doing a decent job as as of now.
2: Yep. Yep. I would like just just to like uh, talk about Marino, But you know uh, the way the way you're looking at it, like saying that he's a good manager for them, and like you know there's nothing. Uh, I mean, he's not like uh, he's become he's changed since he was since he joined Chelsea and United. I don't I think you know as much as like I did support Marino at United, I feel huh. that he's he's still the same guy <laughs> with, with when it comes to press conferences, when it comes to the media, when it comes to his tactics. Like, I could know when I was a United fan, like, I could like I could guess the lineup going into games. Yeah, like we're going to play 4 2 3 1. We're going to be defensive in the first twenty 30, 25 minutes, and then this is what we're going to do. We're going to attack on the counter. Like. These are things right, that are very right. predictable. Only what what uh, what like hurts me the most like with Marino you know, that he's not adapted to the change. Like, you know, I don't see him like changing to like you know uh, changing to a formation that can like you know suppress Klopp's side or like suppress Pep's side. Like it's always him saying that I believe in the quality of my players and I know that they can do this. This has always been his stance from right. Chelsea at United, at Inter, at Madrid, like and now even at Spurs, like. Even though he's struggling, I feel I, d- I don't think so yet. He has found his first eleven. I feel right. he's struggling to find his first eleven, and but when he gets his first eleven, then it's good. Then it might be difficult for teams facing them come in the future.
3: Right, but the right. kind right. of players they've uh, gotten now, especially with yeah. Regulio and uh, you know Lamela performing well, and with Bale coming in, with Lucas Moura being there, they they have so much uh, depth in the squad now. So Keeping I think. Harry
0: Kane as well i mean yeah these,
3: Kane is the main uh, out,
0: uh, and, and
3: look at him showing no faith and uh, double it, you know is,
0: yeah yeah these are so, good players these are they, they play like they're a quality side can't deny it
3: and we are yet to see city and liverpool play against them so i think uh, morino has a really good team this season so let's see yeah.
4: he's very close to getting his top his, his 11 yeah that's,
1: that's yeah i think I yeah the let papers. paper uh test will definitely be the United game to see how you know best yeah. are gonna finish, how are they gonna approach the game. But then and I still feel I still feel
2: that's uh I still feel that'll be a harsh test though, because this would be again as like coming back to what like you know we have discussed earlier. This is their fourth game this week. So it'll be a very difficult uh thing to analyze him based on this game. But let's see how he faces with the other top six teams. Like I'm really curious to see how he's gonna play against Everton.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that what, what be kind good of, what
2: way. kind like how what he brings out against Ancelotti because that I mean I think right now it should be a good segue to Everton versus Brighton.
3: Yeah, I think this is a good take for uh, us to start discussing about Everton and um, Brighton's game. So starting with Adwait, Adwait, you know Everton's record remains unblemished in all competitions till now. They've won all the six matches, including the Carabao, the practice matches, and another victory would seal, uh, you know. You, uh, it, it'll make a strong impact for other teams to see, to look at Everton as a strong side. So what do you have to talk about, uh, what do you have to say about Ancelotti's Everton?
1: Um, they've been brilliant, uh, they've been a breath of pressure this season, uh, they've been brilliant this season, uh, everything's worked out the way they've uh, they've done in the transfer market, the players they've brought in, uh, yep. you know, the style of football that they're playing, very attacker attack like attack oriented football and I think uh, you know I wasn't really rating Calvert-Lewin a, a a lot uh, compared to his performances last season, but this season he's been brilliant. He's he again got a in the, yeah, yeah, he's got a hat trick in the Carabao Cup as well against West Ham. Yeah. Um, and I think him and Richarlison have that good understanding as well now, with both yeah. them playing up top. And they've got only thing I feel in this game. I think Alan is injured. I'm not too sure. I was reading. Yes, hearing, he's, he's injured. So that could be a huge miss for them. Because we'll probably then see Tom Davis, I think, deputizing in in the defensive midfield role alongside uh, Kure. So I think yeah. Alan will be a huge miss. This is where I think Everton, you know, kind of lacked, they don't have uh, the quality in, in I think Walcott, Evobi are again yeah. won't, you know, add up replacements for Calvert Lewin and Richardson or for Hammer. So I think Everton still need a little bit more strengthening for them to become an actually, you know, to actually become a top four side. Uh, that aside, they can challenge you know for, for the top four. Uh, but yep. again, I it's good because Ancelotti is he's a he's a very good manager, wonderful tactician. Um, you know he's he's someone who's uh who's who's done wonderful things with Milan. Kind of made his name there, winning the Champions League with Milan. So it will be good to see, but I still think you know there are a couple of transfers away from being a top four side. I still think they need to strengthen a bit more in terms of their substitutes in terms of their bench, and they then they should they should kick off.
3: Uh, I don't know if you've seen the last season's match against Brighton. They won 1-0, uh, you know, and the, the crosses were constantly coming in from the full especially Dine. So, do you think, uh, since, you know, uh, Potter likes to uh, implement a 3-4-3 formation, do you think this time he'll be doing something different from that, tactically?
1: No, no. I think Potter will still stick with what he's got. Uh, he's playing to Brighton's friends. I think the 3 4 3 Brighton really well because they're defensively, they're good. You know, with Dunk with uh, Webster and with Ben White, they're really good. Yeah, and then you yeah. have you have you have fullbacks in Solly and in uh, Tariq Lamptey, both very pacey. Yeah. I think Mark very unlucky to not score against United. True. Uh, he had a couple of really good chances with the crossbar as well as Prasad. Uh, so I think uh, Brighton will still go ahead with this game. Uh, it should be a very good game because both teams are again attack-minded teams. Uh, both teams. It'll be a battle of fullbacks definitely because you've got Lamptey's space. So that would be interesting to see how Dinia copes with that, because Dinia and Diniya is a wonderful crosser of the ball. So I think yeah. that's why Calvert-Lewin kind of thrives, uh, in such yeah. situations. We have uh, fullbacks who are who are really good crossers of the ball, and I think Coleman and Diniya are perfect examples of that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Brighton should. I think both the teams they won't they won't make a lot of changes. I think probably the only change will be uh you know Alan going out and Tom Davis coming in, and I think yeah. that would probably be the only way where I think Brighton can expose Everton. Uh, Everton a bit a bit yeah. there uh, in terms of that but I think otherwise it should be the same uh, the same Levin that played the previous games that played the previous family
3: game for both So you you see it as an equal match equal <laughs> side thing I see it as an
1: equal match but I still think with the quality that Everton have I think yeah. Everton might nick this one I think again you'll have Calvert-Lewin on the on the goals I think it'll yeah. be a 3-1 uh, probably a 3-1 win I think James will probably grab an assist and a goal as well 3-1 Yeah but I think I think Brighton also we shouldn't really underestimate them because they've they've they performed really well. True. Uh, the last the Premier League games they've they've been really good. I think Prasad, Maupe, uh, they've been brilliant. So yeah. I think it would be a good game. But I think yeah, Everton just have that that sort of edge a little bit more quality than Brighton. So I think Everton probably three one should take this home.
3: So uh, Kanish coming on to you, uh, you know the Brighton has looked playing dominant football, you know, in the season especially, but. Uh, they've got a huge possession, especially in uh, the three games that they've played. So you think, yeah. uh, and they've been making tremendous transitions as well, offensively and defensively talking. So what do you, how right. do you see the game framing up? Uh,
0: this should be a very exciting game. Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it because both teams uh, look to be in very good form. I don't think okay. Brighton, and, like if you focus uh, towards the end of the Man United game, Brighton snatched. They literally forced that goal. They were like, we're not giving it up. Till the last whistle blows, they did not give that game up. But, uh, you know, like it was a very unfortunate incident that happened. But that should give them a lot of confidence. When I go back into that dressing room and the team's a little upset, but did they perform uh, poorly? Absolutely not. They're one of the clubs right now. They're one of the teams that are, again, their team chemistry is fantastic. Uh, The players are doing what the manager is asking them to do. And they're getting the yeah. results for it. So, this is going to be a very, very interesting game to watch. Uh, yeah. Everton, I feel no, no side right now knows how to approach Everton. Should we attack? Should we sit back? Are they, are they that strong? Are there weaknesses that we can expose? Right now, I don't think Everton have gone through that uh, test yet. You know, the, the yeah. big grind. But uh, I don't see it. I don't see where it's going to come from. Yeah, probably they, 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 they slack off a little bit. Uh, they concede a goal. But by the time they do concede a goal... Or it's not that they don't have that clinical ability to be able to take the game away from the opposition. Everton are scoring goals and that's why they're... And and even if their defence is a little bit of... uh, a little lackey, that's okay. Because if you're scoring enough goals to win the game, that's what you need. And right now, Everton are really using every player they have to their advantage. Um, Everyone is performing exactly how we expected them to. Uh, James Rodriguez is playing brilliantly for Everton. Uh, yeah. He really turns the game around. When I see him, I see how how energetic, how much effort he's putting. Um, he's he's focusing. His game is and his mind is entirely on the game. What's happening? How to adapt? And Calvert Lewin, what a what an amazing uh, you know. I I I always knew when I saw this guy two three years yeah, cool. ago, uh, and he was playing. I saw there's something about this guy, and I feel that he's very underrated. Now he's actually you know proving. What, yeah. uh, what many pundits may have predicted some time ago, that this guy is going to be a great striker. He's in the right position, which is hmm. half of the time, you just have to be in the right place at the right time to be able to get yeah. those goals. And I think he is really working on that. Because you don't get hat-trick after hat-trick, game after game. It's just it's just not... Uh, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing. Uh, yeah. I don't even know when was the last time a player got uh, back-to-back hat-tricks in the Premier League. Oh, uh, Must have been... I I don't even know who that was. So, this is a very exciting time to be an Everton fan. Uh, Your team is doing... um, I mean, they have such an amazing manager. I don't don't understand. I mean, this is just going to be absolutely amazing for Everton if uh, Carlo Ancelotti continues on with them. And the players that he's brought in, it just gets better from here. And if this is what slightly better looks like, a little tuned-up Everton, then uh, we're we're talking about another another side that could feature in the top six, top four, and could push another team out. Who knows who that is going to be? United. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so Kush, coming on to you, you know, uh, Kanish sounds really astonished the way um, both these teams have been playing this season. So what do you have to say about Brighton's win? Uh, sorry, losses against United, even though they were clearly you know playing really well, and even in the Carabao Cup, the second team that they played. That 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 team was superb as well. You know, they showed uh, uh, a little bit of mopé. It had, you know, we could see those players in the second team as well. So, what do you have to say about the match? Very very equal.
4: I feel like they play they're playing very similar football. But with Ancelotti on Everton side and the quality of players that have that kind of experience, the footballing experience, having played international football like like James Rodriguez and Richarlison again, bringing his international experience, I feel like they. Are going to get this because they are much little bit more consistent side with, like I said, with the coaching abilities of uh, Ancelotti uh, for Brighton. Obviously, they can upset Everton, but uh, how long is that that the energy going to last for before they burn out? And that's a big problem. That's a big question mark. And they they could end up being like the Swansea or the Stoke City side a few years ago. Stoke City when they were playing with Boyan, Kitchen and Notowicz, and they were excellent in the out, in the front, and then that side suddenly disappeared. But yeah, Brighton could be one of those sides, but not with the quality of players they have, not with Mopé, not with Trossard and Conley. And and their midfield is looking so good with with the experience of Lalana and Alzate and Solimarch and Lamte. Yeah, I I think this is a very good-looking side. But uh, my question is, again, uh, how long will they continue before they burn out? Because when you have Ancelotti, you have a tactician on your side. And then with players like Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin and Rodriguez and Gomez and Alan, I think, yeah, this is a very, very good side. And this it's, is a more yeah. consistent side than Brighton. A very consistent side. I think their real test is going to be the Liverpool game, which is the following week. But I think they're going to win this game comfortably, maybe
3: 2-0. But Graham Potter is actually known to, you know, promote, uh, get his teams promoted as well. He's done it thrice in three seasons, different seasons. So what do you have to say about Graham? You know, coming into the game. Amazing. Graham Porter is
4: just just really good, really good. Yeah, but again, this this side that he has set up, uh, going against the kind of tactician that he's going against. The Champions League winner, it's a different ball game altogether. And you can see the Everton side. This Everton side can play Europa League. This Everton side wants to, has the intent, and wants to play Champions League. Everton, I think a few years ago, were playing really good football, and then they dropped a lot of points. I think this was three years ago. And they were playing really good until Christmas and then they suddenly dropped lots of points. And I feel like Brighton is one of those sides. They will take a few years before they can actually become a really good side. But, but right now with this consistency, not definitely not a, a a top 10 side, maybe a top 10 side, but against Everton, I don't think they can win. Yeah.
3: So I'd like quickly like to pounce on, uh, you know, Arsenal and Liverpool's fixtures again, they're facing teams which I think they'd obviously win over. Uh, Arsenal's facing uh, Sheffield and Liverpool is facing Aston Villa. So, I would like you to comment on uh, Arsenal and Liverpool's performance in the two matches, uh, Kanishk. Uh, sorry, Adi. Uh, you know, the previous weekend, we've seen them playing in two different matches. So, what do you have to say about Arsenal side improving? They've actually improved immensely. So, what do you have to say about
1: it? Uh, yeah, I think
3: we we
1: against uh, Liverpool in the, in the Premier League, uh, the game that we, fa- we played uh, on Tuesday. Uh, yep. again, I think first half we were, uh, you know, it was a Hita hitadot type performance, but we kind of brought it up uh, brought it up a notch in the second half. I was a little unhappy with uh, Atta's decision of starting he ahead of Sabayas. I think Sebeos had a, it uh, was more impactful in the game when he came on as yep. a sub. And I think, uh, yeah, it, again, it, it was at Anfield, so it really didn't have a lot of expectations because that's literally a fortress. Uh so to go there and to take the lead was was good. But then I think kind of uh we kind of like we kind of, you know, lost that focus at, at key moment. Uh yep. here and there, I think it was it was completely the Mane show. He he was brilliant, uh he was brilliant against holding and I think Bellerin again for the for the other two goals, I think his marking was poor. Yeah. Uh, so here and there we have to improve a bit. But I'm happy with the performance because if this was a Wenger side and we came up, uh, you know, Wenger or an Emery side and we came up to a Liverpool side like this, we would have easily got hammered 5-0. 5 or 6-0. We would have literally just, you know, lied on our backs and like, you guys just run over it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: laid down like a hooker on quaaludes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
3: not going to use that language, but yeah. Uh, (laughs) But uh, again, I'd like you to comment on the midfield, you know, Jaka really… Has stepped up in the second match in the Carabao match. If I'm not wrong, yeah. in the first match he seemed a little off, but he off was there. Day. Yeah, Great. but in the second match he he he's broken players. He's actually um you know he's intercepted a lot. He has provided good long passes as well from deep yeah, inside he was of the his man own. Of the
1: match. Yeah, he was yeah. he was brilliant in this in the Carabao Cup again. Uh, yeah. My only worry is that again Jacques has featured. I think uh, he's played all the games for us so, since the Premier League has started. He's played in all the competitions. Um. so probably I would have liked him to rest but yeah, he, he was brilliant against uh, Liverpool in the Carabao Cup that was again a very good game uh, Liverpool did have their chances Leno was brilliant for me, Leno was the man of the match some wonderful saves including the penalty shootouts as well before the penalties, there were a lot of brilliant saves Leno made uh, it, it was a good game, I think Yeah, and uh, Xhaka again showed his 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 bit of class uh, his understanding, his vision of the game where to thread the passes, to whom uh, to whom, you know, you need to pass to and everything. So, I think, uh, I see a lot of improvements. I'm happy with how we're going. A uh, lot of improvements, definitely, under Arteta. It's just now that how consistent we are.
3: Coming to you, you know, I'd like you to comment on Liverpool's uh, attack. Again, uh, with Jota getting limited time in the first match. And, you know, he played really well against uh, Arsenal in the second last night. So, what do you have to say about Jota as a player?
0: Oh, Jota is a fantastic signing. I mean, he managed to get a goal. That's an added plus. Uh, Liverpool, I think, uh, set themselves up well for this game. I think Klopp was aware of what Arsenal are going to try to do, and uh, they set themselves up. Yeah, they 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 went a goal down, but they immediately immediately scored a goal to to you know finish any debate over there. Uh, I think. Uh, Liverpool, as far as the quality side is concerned, are far ahead of Arsenal right now. Uh, Agraeth is right. If it were any other manager, Unai Emery or anyone else, they would have come to Liverpool trying to win the game. Right. Arteta did not do that. Arteta, I would call, a more pra- had a more pragmatic approach to the game. He he was aware and he was, quite frankly, uh, astute in how he set his tactics up by playing El Neni first and not Ceballos. I don't mind that decision. I don't mind going to Anfield losing 3-1 after we took the lead. At least we we gave them something to play. I mean, this is a very very strong side. This is a Champions League uh, winning team. They won the Premier League last season. They're the champions. You're playing the champions at their home ground. There's going to be there's going to be pressure. There's going to be they they're going to attack you. And I think he set themselves ourselves up a little defensively in the beginning. Uh yeah, when Ceballos came on, we saw how how many passes he could uh, he could uh, create, how many chances he could create. I mean, Arsenal had a better oh. better time up front when Ceballos was playing, but that was naturally to happen because the game is already gone for 70, 75 minutes. And uh, now you have one of your most... Uh, you have your creative playmaker coming on now uh, with the Liverpool side that are on on the back foot. And at the time Ceballos came on, uh, it was still 2-1. And I remember that if that goal by Lacazette had been scored, that would have invited pressure on on the liverpool defense but uh, overall overall i feel the game was uh, as it as it was expected to be uh, liverpool were attacking they were doing what they what they are good at doing and arsenal was just trying to uh, how do you, how should i put this they were trying to wait out the storm you know that's why i think arteta went for the more defensive approach in during the start of the game And thought that when Liverpool are a little bit more tired, when they're a little bit more spent, I'm going to throw in a couple of uh, you know uh, ace cards here and there, and going to try and get a goal out of that. Unfortunately, it did not work out. But I don't mind the approach that he took. When when you're, I mean, when you're uh, facing a very deadly uh, side like Liverpool are, you have to be a realist. You have to tell yourself, listen, if I try to cut through these guys. Uh, they're just going to cut right back. And if I attack them too much, th- that's just going to expose, uh, you know, my problems in the back. So, he said, that's fine. He invited the pressure, tried to attack Liverpool on the counter. Sometimes it wo- it could have worked. If yeah. that goal had gone in by Lacazette, if that chance had been scored, could have different story we would have been talking about. Very, very, also- very low.
1: Sorry, Kanishk. Also, the one which I think Obamang also had right at the end, wherein, you know, he yeah. cut in, but then he passed it to NKT. He should have gone yeah. for goal. That's He, he, should, he, should, have have got he that. should
0: have. But then, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. We're playing Liverpool yeah. at Anfield. Uh, a <laughs> lot of positives uh, for Arsenal from this game. And uh, they should just take this as a learning, as an experience and move on to the next.
3: I think you sh- you should be content with the uh, Bernard's performance, especially with the you know with Mar- uh, Martinez going out of the team. Uh, I think it's it's kind of uh, you good. Know. Yeah. it's good. it's uh, good. He has a point to prove.
0: Support. He, he uh, in yesterday's game uh, in the, in the Carabao Cup, I think he uh, just compounded that feeling a little more. That you know what I always was the number one in the Arsenal side, uh-huh. and I mean to remain as the number one in the Arsenal side for a long time to come and that is what we need from a goalkeeper, you know, just because Emi Martinez has gone to another club and he's also doing a fantastic job mm-hmm. but Burnt Leno also has to make a statement that, you know what, I'm here to stay, I, I always was the number one and I have to prove it and I think he's doing that uh, fantastically well, no no questions there.
3: Yeah. So, uh, what do you have to say about Arsenal, uh, Sheffield's performance against, uh, we've already spoken about, um, you know, uh, Leeds and, was it Leeds and Sheffield last week? No, Leeds and uh, Sheffield and Brighton.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Right, so what do you have to say about Sheffield? How do you see the game being approached, uh, you know, uh, by them? Because they've never really scored a single goal in this uh, edition of the Premier League. So, do you see them opening up or what do you see?
4: Well, they're not keeping possession in the first place. They're getting some shots on. I, I, I think I watched that game, Leeds United versus Sheffield last week, yeah. and which 1-0 it was with Leeds. I think that was mostly because they were making all these passes at the back. But they were not really uh, consistent at all. I think Sheffield failed to keep possession. I think they had, I don't know, 20-something percent possession at the yeah. end of the game. And and they obviously didn't know where they were moving the ball. Sheffield United is like, like Fulham. Uh, they they need a lot of work, and you can see right from the beginning that this is the, these two are the sides that are going to struggle, and this is not the kind of game they want to have earlier on in the season when they're already struggling. Uh, yeah, no. they, they, I think Sheffield United is definitely one of the top teams in my in my view. that are going to get relegated, so there's no way that they can actually come up with the size of the squ- a team of this quality.
3: Yeah. So you um, see Arsenal winning this game, right?
4: Yeah, Arsenal's going to win
3: this game easily, three-one. Yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'd Sorry, so I, I think Sheffield
1: were brilliant last season, uh, you know, the yeah. the way they played uh, with the, you know, the three centre-backs and the centre-backs also joining in the attack yeah. from all three sides, like from the left, from the right and from the middle. Uh, but I think
4: yeah.
1: look, uh teams now have kind of studied and have kind of understood, you know, how Sheffield are going to play and I've, yeah. they've kind of neutralised or nullified that threat. I think, and again, Sheffield have not really strengthened in in attack. Uh but again I think they've got Ryan Brewster now who's moving from Liverpool for twenty-three million. Right. Uh, so, it should be something new because uh I think Musat and McGoldrick and you know McGoldrick is actually
4: a good attacker. I don't know. They went with I think five midfielders in the last game with Leeds. Uh, they went only I, with the three
3: with the three, five, two if I'm not wrong, but they yeah, created was, I don't think that's the right formation. They created chances, but they were not able to finish them, you know. They yeah, created, they were not able to finish, I, finish and them. I think that's yeah. what
1: happens when you don't have, you know, proven pedigree goal scorers. I don't see McGoldrick and, you know, Mousset uh, and even McBurney as, you know, proven pedigree. Uh, and, 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 and Oliver Burke as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oliver Burke was again a yeah. one in FIFA probably back in 16. Uh, yeah. But they and lack and pace. Their attack lacks the yeah. That's the reason why they've got Burke. So, Burke is really quick. He's really fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think now with Brewster, we should probably see, you know, a bit more uh, mm. of them, uh, you know, more chances of being taken by the Sheffield United uh, Strikers, because Brewster has done it in the championship, you know, we, know, uh, we all know what a talented lad he yeah. is. He's yeah. been really rated by all the coaches at Liverpool. I think even uh, before Klopp, I think even Brendan Dodgers also praised him a lot, uh, saying that, you know, this kid has got a bright future. And he's, he, I, I think even in the Under-17 World Cup, which happened uh, in India as well, which England won, he was brilliant. He was a top scorer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think Brewster would bring a lot more, um, you know, a lot more ferocity and tenacity to their attack. Uh, which is what I think, which is what I feel where they where they lack. So they have made you know a, a good few few good signings. They've got Jaden Bogle from Derby County, who's is, is a brilliant right back. He's very yeah. similar to Max Harins from of Norwich City. Uh, they've got Ampar from Chelsea on loan, which is again a, a very good deal because so he's also again a young, very talented centre back, ball playing centre back who can also play in the defensive midfield position. So they have made you know here and there a few good signings. I think Ramsdale as well is a pretty good signing. A decent backup for Anderson. I wouldn't say the perfect backup, but a decent backup for Henderson. Uh So yeah. and they have
4: some leaders also that can actually guide the side, like Billy Sharp and Bill Jagielka. Exactly.
1: So they have, they have Billy Sharp. You've got John Flack. You've got Oliver Norwood. You've got Egan. You've got O'Connell. You've got Basham. Yeah. So the, the, all of these guys have literally, you know, they've they've been with the side I think since 2013 or 14. None of them have really moved on. Uh, they've 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 all been with the Sheffield United side when when they were in League Two and have then gradually got promoted up. Uh, so, they know what, it's, what, what it is to, you know, to be a blade, to be playing for the, for, for the blades. Which is good. Yeah, uh, but you see, for them to not keep possession against someone like Leeds is a worrying sign. Especially with the midfield they
4: had. With I agree. Five I agree. But
1: again, that's, that's again on Bielsa. So, Bielsa's side, Bielsa loves his team to have possession. He always ensures, you know, he builds, his, structurizes his teams so that they keep the ball. That's his primary concern. For Bielsa, yeah, well, I guess a positive, been, like you compound. said, yeah, with with that much possession, they still were able to make a few chances. Few chances. I that's where I feel they lack. I think a pedigree goal scorer. That's where I think, mm. and I think with Brewster now coming in, should be good. Um, should be, but I think you know, kind of like they should probably also change a few, probably then you know, throw in a, uh, throw in a bit of a surprise by playing four at the, you know four at the back, playing a four two three one or a 4-4-2. Four, 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 because like, now I think teams kind of know, you know, okay, fine, the, the centre backs are also going to get involved in the attack. Just keep the ball, hit them on the counter, hit them hard, and we'll score for sure. Uh,
3: so, coming on to Ruge, Ruge, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to get into the intricacies of uh, Aston Villa versus Liverpool. So, what do you have to say about uh, the match? Uh, what is your prediction for the match? Uh,
2: prediction wise, I think uh, this should be quite easy for Liverpool, although. I would like to see how Ross Barkley is going to feature in this game for yeah. Aston Villa because the combination of Grealish, uh, McGinn, and uh, Ross Barkley would be interesting to watch. Although I don't know who who actually might sit out, maybe Horahan. I'm not sure, but i I think uh, I think it should be I think it should be a walk <laughs> in the park for Liverpool. Might be like two zero or three zero. I'm like I'm hoping really for a Salah race because he's my captain in the fantasy Premier League. just to let it's you really
4: know.
2: <laughs>
1: So, so I'm I'm thinking it's going to be like a three three zero for to Liverpool. Uh, but, sorry, dude. yeah. sorry. Uh but yeah, again, yeah. I think Liverpool last season. Uh, the teams that they struggled with, I think was Aston Villa. I think it was a total yeah, win. Total win. So
3: Villa really defend really well. And Aston Villa
1: played
3: really well against Fulham. Yeah, yeah. They,
1: I mean, it seemed more
3: like a Sunday League game against Fulham. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They were solid. They ran really. right, man. They ran right. It was it was all the Grillish Hurian and uh, Megan show. I think three of them were just brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you but I think again, Liverpool, Liverpool always struggle. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go on, go on, go on. And I think uh, Liverpool always struggle against Villa. We always expect, you know, someone like probably like Salah or Mane to bang in the goals and to probably Liverpool five nil win. But again last season I think it was a two-nil win and a one nil win. Uh, it was a very, you know, it wasn't a a good game or a beautiful game to watch. It was just like, you know, Liverpool literally had to struggle for that for their win. They had to fight for it. Uh, so, I expect the same, I think, you know, with Mings and with Gonsa in defence, with Douglas-Louis as well. It should be a good game but I don't… Douglas-Louis is really
4: good. He's got some… Yeah, he's, he can, he's been brilliant people,
1: yeah. he can, He's got some but individual movements, yeah. But I don't think… I don't think Rude's prediction of 3-0, I don't… I don't see that happening. I you,
2: think know, you, right. know why, you know
1: why I would One go with that? Just because you are Salah captain. No, no,
2: no. no not, not because of your Salah captain. Because last week also, I said that uh, Liverpool are very good at, adapt- at adapting to situations in the middle of the match. And, you know, oh. when when Liverpool played Arsenal last time, I think in that first, uh, in, the, in the Premier League, especially the Premier League game, in the first 15-20 minutes, Arsenal were the one that who were like, you know, who were playing, like, who were taking the game to Liverpool initially on, like much early on. And Liverpool were being very cautious with their passes. And then the way they oh. found a system around that and they countered, the, they countered Arsenal's game plan, I was really I was impressed with Liverpool's performance in that in that first half alone because they didn't do anything no. anything rash they didn't do anything stupid they didn't panic which I think they have they have stopped panicking for a long time now but the only thing that only mistake by uh, Robertson for that goal okay fine that's that you can you can push that aside mm-hmm. that's okay but that entire first half is like you know where they were like okay fine we know what you're trying to do but we 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 also have a game plan in play so i the only reason why i'm going to go for like a really easy game for local because i know for a fact that they have they are going to do some homework on aston villa and then go into this game okay like you know with the club saying that listen this was a tough fixture for us last season and this is what we need to do to counter that and like and like how similarly it was done with Aston in the past we can do the same thing over here although it's two different fixtures i see it happening uh, i see i see liverpool like you know trying to like ease this game out
3: I don't think uh, why is it so hard for us to you know uh, decide whether Liverpool will win it or lose it because Aston Villa have been uh, been they've been opened up by many teams this in the first three matches itself so I don't see them winning or uh, drawing the match in any way
2: no, I don't think so they are raising the point about uh, Liverpool uh, like uh, not like Aston Villa winning I think the point that they are raising is that can Aston Villa hold Liverpool for a longer time? So then, you know, okay. it'd, be like, it'd be like maybe a draw at max or like maybe, you know, like they, sc- oh, they get to score one. But I don't think so. Like, you know, I, I still think like, you know, with Barkley and, and again and wheelish all, all together, I still, I think that they'll need some time to click or maybe they might have that initial luck where they might just click for a few games and then again, like phase out and then come back in towards the mid or the end of the season. Uh,
3: Roos, you had also mentioned, you know, that uh, Liverpool looked, Really nice, uh, good in the first half itself. But again, Arsenal in the first 10 to 12 minutes had actually opened up Liverpool and they had two opportunities to score, you know, especially with uh, Nicolas Pepe at yeah. the right flank, yeah. So I think Arsenal had. Uh, they looked this, like they were. This, this,
2: this is the, for the EFL Cup game that you're talking no, about. No, no, no. Right? I'm
3: talking about uh, the first game. The first, first game, yeah. I think Brilliant played. No? Oh, Bilian yeah. Played then I'm talking about game. yesterday's game. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah,
2: the, <laughs> EFL, yeah, the EFL game, uh, I think like Arsenal, like uh, as how Kanish said, like, you know, uh, even uh, I think they prepared better. Like you know, it was uh, been, I when I to be honest with you, I told you when I saw the lineup, I thought like, okay, fine, Liverpool are going to own this game. But then when when Arsenal started the game initially, on I was like, I was, I was, I was, I was I'm not surprised they went with the same thing. Like you know, just be defensive, wait, wait yeah. it out, wait it out, and then like you know, go go towards Liverpool. Uh, Van Dijk's header was difficult. But, uh yeah, but I felt re- like, you know, when Mina, when Mina, Mina uh, what's that, uh, what's that guy's name? Mina uh, Mina, Mina
1: Mina Mina Yeah, yeah.
2: When, when he hit the crossbar, I was like, I, I really thought like this, that would have been the biggest, yeah. like a big moment in no, the, I think like, that like, was
3: Jota's header.
2: Yeah, that was Jota's header and that was like a big moment in the game. Yeah. So. But
3: even Holding's header was pretty strong, man. Yeah, like,
2: oh, Holding's header was quite good. But then I, I swear to God, when I saw Willock take that penalty, all in my head was like, if, if he he's going, to, I felt for a moment he's going to miss because, you know, it, he walked in like so gingerly and like he placed the ball down. Then he did that weird run-up where he moved from right to left and he shot it and then Adrian got a hold of it. My heart was in my mouth, but then he eventually took the team over the line with that penalty. So it was good. Actually, but as Adwait said, Leno was the man of the match for that game.
3: Uh, Kanish, I'd quickly like your comment on, you know, Wolves facing Fulham. Is it Fulham, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think about Semedo's inclusion from Barcelona? He, he he wasn't that good in the first match against well, um West Ham. He lo- they lost four nil, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, but uh, I mean it's gonna take time, and yeah. I don't really know uh, which players uh, he's playing with right now or how he's gonna manage to get that. But uh, we all know that you know he was a decently rated player. There were there were things to look forward from Semedo, but. Uh, given that he's joined wolves now i think he should be able to shine out uh, yeah. he should remember that he is a quality player he's played he's been with barcelona and uh, if you play with quality players there you can actually get that experience to another club try and try and uh, try and put your mark on on each and every fixture and so that that will allow the other players to to take your example and put their best foot forward so uh, he should um, create that kind, just like Hamez created in Everton. Yeah. But uh, let's see. I mean, uh, Wolves versus Fulham. I'm. A, I don't. I'm, I'm. not really sure. Uh, both of those teams are uh, languishing right now. They've not had a very good start, especially Fulham have not had a good start at all. Yeah. Uh, but I think Wolves will. Wolves will take advantage of that. They're yeah. gonna. They're gonna beat Fulham.
2: I think, I think uh, one more you know. thing, just to just to add to the topic of film versus wolves. I think you know huge credit should go to Tony Khan for coming out on Twitter and saying that like you know he has not done enough for this team after they have been promoted. I think that I think that's like you know one of the most uh, bravest things mm. I've seen like from a owner owner to do, especially right now in this times, to tell the to tell his fans that like you know he has not done enough for this team and they are. I think they are looking they're looking to, you know, get in some players by the time the window closes. I think the domestic window closes on 16th, if I'm not
3: mistaken. four days, yeah. In four days. No,
2: four yeah. days is the international, right? On 16th, oh, I okay. think is the domestic window, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I, I think uh, I think they might they might be looking to get in a few players from either League One or, in or around the Premier League.
3: Yeah. I yeah. think uh, to you. What do you think about Podent? And again, uh, you know, Neto was really... He played well. He was the only Player who was trying to connect, uh, you know, the passes. He was trying to be the key man uh, in their 4 4 loss to West Ham. But again, West Ham were good defensively, and they were they were they were working well. They were playing Mourinho style of football. So, what do you have to say about that? I think the f- first thing West Ham should
1: do is to ensure that Moyes comes nowhere near the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually. the only way. Uh, only way West Ham, I think, start playing really, you know, start winning games. I think Moyes should be nowhere, nowhere near the pitch. I mean, they, they were brilliant. And I think it was an off day for Wolves as well. Yeah. Uh, they weren't really, you know, they, they, they didn't look good attacking. They, they didn't have much possession. They they, they struggled. They struggled in parts. Yeah. Uh, in parts, again. Uh, but I feel now that with Semedo coming on, I think Podence is, he's, again, a very talented Portuguese uh, youngster. And you'll hear the word Portuguese synonymous with Wolves now. Because I think exactly. half of Portugal yeah. is literally in Wolves.
3: But why are uh, they only buying Portuguese players Because of Nuno, uh, <laughs>
1: I think also because uh, Nuno again he's managed in the Portuguese league. He was with uh, Benfica. Yeah. He was with a couple of other clubs as well. So he kind of knows these players, um, and he kind of knows that you know Portugal has this this. Um, uh, I wouldn't really say yeah, kind of like the sleeping talents. You know the talents. There are a lot of talented players who are Portuguese, but who don't really get the recognition on the international stage or on a global stage. So I think that could probably be one of his uh, you know his his uh, things of signing these players. And again, he's very good knack of you know finding these really good youngsters who have you who are who 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 he thinks you know are like hidden gems who can actually turn out to be really good footballers. And he's kind of like revived the career of Raúl Jiménez. He was, I think, when he was at Atletico, he wasn't really doing really a, a lot. He's kind of revived his career. He's kind of revived Adama's career. João Moutinho as well. I mean, Moutinho is he's been brilliant for Wolves. He's yeah. all over the pitch in midfield. He's got wonderful set piece taking abilities. I think the same with Podence as well. I think Podence is kind of slacked off with Braga. It was time for him to move on. Um, so yeah, he's got a lot of really, really good, uh, good, good players, good Portuguese players.